3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com.
5: All right, welcome back to the NFL Combine and the Nortown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones back at our Amherst studios, ready to rock and roll here. It's my final day at the Combine. Uh, I'll be headed back to Buffalo later today, but still a lot of work to get done here. And I just posted a video a little while ago. at you. Uh, if you want to go check it out on Twitter, slash X at Sal Sports, Instagram as well. Uh, a little behind-the-scenes look here at the NFL Combine, Zach, which is there's two distinct parts of this room. On the Combine floor, I guess you'd call it, in the convention center, it's a... Just to give everybody an idea, it's a convention center, right? I mean, there's a lot of different conventions going on. This is one of them. And when you walk into this room, you have a media area and then a big curtain and then the podium area. It's kind of cool. It's this, like, separation of two worlds. You ever watch Game of Thrones? It's like that big wall.
6: <laughs> you know what I mean? Sal, you don't know this about me, but I actually know too much about Game of Thrones. That You <laughs> said the wall. and Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that works. I like it.
5: It's two worlds, right? You, let, you have the... You have mm-hmm. the you have the cement floor of the media and the tables and everybody kind of grinding away at their radio shows and TV and all their social media stuff. And then you have this curtain and you walk over. Check out the video, folks. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And then the curtain. Then it's a nice carpeted floor with all these nice podiums. And then you got CBS Sports and NBC Sports and Sirius Radio and the national networks and all the different media walks over here to hear the players and the head coaches and the GMs talk. So it's, a, it's quite a bit of a setup. Now, it has changed over the years. But um, it's a really, really interesting setup here. And um, we are now hearing from prospects. So we've kind of transitioned over the last couple of days, Zach, from head coaches and GMs to prospects. And everybody is kind of listening in on, you know, who did you meet with? And then there's some background stories you get into. So today, defensive backs are talking. Defensive linemen and linebackers will be testing later today. So defensive backs are talking right now. This is an area where we talked a little bit about yesterday. You can never have enough defensive backs, but I don't think the Bills are in the market for one early in the draft as much as they always could. They should never be counted out for one early in the draft, I guess.
6: Yeah, never count them out, but I I find it fascinating too. It it does feel like we're going to hear from a lot of safeties, wide receivers, defensive tackles, and I would be surprised if not all of them say that they're meeting with the Bills, or they've had a right. formal meeting with the Bills. Like Those three positions really do feel like the main positions. They may draft multiple wide receivers. They could draft multiple defensive tackles. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting to hear from today, especially with defensive backs now talking. I think uh, Bullock out of Georgia already said he had a formal meeting with the Bills, yep. so it's it's already starting, and it's it's not too surprising, which is good.
5: It's funny you call it. That's right. They're called, they're called the formal meetings. And when you hear it, I'm thinking, why is it formal? You're wearing a tux? Like, what's, what's going on? No, they're the formal meetings. They're the ones that count. And they only have a certain amount of time to meet with these prospects. It's a very, you know, very, um, buttoned up. Kind of rigid prospect process, I guess, and you know it's very uh, well put together. And everybody has their own times and meetings, and they meet in different rooms around the convention center or Lucas Oil Stadium. And then the testing goes on as well. Yes, that's the formal meetings. I say to people like, "Oh, what are you doing this week?" They're like, "I'm in the formal meetings." It could be a scout, a trainer, or something like that. You know, because you want to talk, touch on the medical. You want to touch on, you know, what they did in college, and then obviously pick their brain, life, things like that. All those kinds of things go into these meetings. All right, so. Why don't I just set you up for today? You're listening to the Nortown Automotive Extra Point Show, brought to you by Nortown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Nortown. Shop online at nortownauto.com. Sal Capaccio here in Indianapolis. Zach Jones back in our Amherst studios here on the Extra Point Show. We have already, I've caught up with a few people already today, so you're going to hear from during this show over the next couple hours, Charles Davis from CBS Sports. Charles, kind enough to give me some time before he went on his show on Sirius XM. Going to hear from him about the Bills, about the Combine, the NFL, and just his uh, view of where the Bills are right now and, you know, is the window closing? I asked him that question specifically, so we'll get to him a little bit later. Also caught up with Paul Dottino. Paul covers the New York Giants. He has for many years, over 40 years, and if you, that name rings a bell, he actually filled in as Bill's play-by-play guy a couple of years ago when uh, John Murphy was out with COVID one week in, at the New York Jets. If you, don't, if you remember, Paul filled in as the play-by-play voice of the Bills. so he follows the Bills, he understands them, and also obviously talking about the Giants and the NFC East. He's on WFAN, our sister station in New York as well, so caught up with Paul Dottino. And then Arthur Motes, former Buffalo Bills linebacker, he's now doing media in Pittsburgh, and Arthur's always great to catch up to. So how about that? We already have a few people, and we're going to have more as we go along here over the next couple of hours. All right, on defensive back. So yesterday, you and I talked a lot about Tredavious White. We talked about Micah Hyde. We talked about Jordan Poyer. How about the back end of the defensive back group? Because I think, Zach, the other thing that the Bills have to answer about it is Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam's a big question mark, and it's two years now. He hasn't been able to really get on the field. This is—he's As of now, he's a first-round bust. I think we could pretty much label him as that in the sense of the word. Now, I'm not telling you he hasn't made some plays. I know he has, but you need your first-round player, first-round prospect, to be able to play better than he has and get on the field. I am still holding out hope, though, and optimism that maybe that happens, and I think the Bills are. I think the Bills still believe that Kyrie Elam can help them, And I think that's one of the big questions that they're going to have to wrestle with and answer as they go forward here through the offseason.
6: And and it's a shame, too, because I I think it is appropriate now to label him, at least going forward, potentially a bust. But like he had flashes in his rookie year. He looked very good. It felt like you had two really stable pieces at your cornerback position who were rookies in him and then Christian Benford. And then going into year two, it was you know starting in training camp, like he's really not getting starting reps. He's not you know separating himself from the pack. And then the season started, and there were a lot of games where he was just, just not even on the field. And it's a shame. I, I know there was a lot of talk too, and we're, and we're talking about the formal meetings, the Bills behind the scenes look when you know yep, Elon was at that. his meeting, yep. and, and he had the notebook, and he kind of it felt like he was like the perfect Sean McDermott cornerback prospect. Takes a ton of notes. Clearly is coachable. Like the whole thing. And it just it I don't want to say it never got off the ground. Cause it it did, and then year two it just it never seemed to 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 get right. And now we're sitting here really wondering like is this the true first first round miss by this McD, uh, McDermott Bean era? Because I mean, you could talk Cody Ford was a miss. He was a second round pick. Like Elam was the first guy in the first round where it it really does feel like a swing and a miss.
5: You can always give us a call here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, and when we do it, take your call. It is getting connected with our fans. Also brought to you by Northtown Kia. Western New York's number one Kia dealer shop online at Northtownkia.com. 803-0550 if you want to jump on board. We can take your call about anything dealing with the Bills or whatever's on your mind. The NFL, prospects, Kyer Elam coming to mind when I look at the DBs. They're talking today where the Bills might go with DB. We talked to Davias White yesterday. Really interesting situation with his contract and how they're going to handle that, his recovery from injury. And then I go down the list. And there's Dane Jackson standing out with, um, you know, I color-coded on my roster. I, I posted my roster at uh, on my social media that, you know, the Bills, they're free agents and pending free agents. And there's Dane Jackson colored in blue. He's a pending free agent. I am all for the Bills bringing Dane Jackson back. Now, I'm not all for giving him, you know, super big contract. You don't have to do that. I don't think it's going to cost a ton. I think he's more than a vet minimum guy. I'll be honest with you. I think a team's going to say that's a guy we might be able to start on our team. He reminds me a lot of Levi Wallace a couple of years ago, right? Levi Wallace didn't get the minimum. He played, he, I think he went for like, uh, like some three to four million a year in, in, in Pittsburgh Now, maybe he didn't live up to necessarily even that, but you're not going to get a guy like Dane Jackson, I think, for the vet minimum. So the Bills may have to spend a little bit to bring him back, but I have no issue whatsoever as long as they don't go overboard with bringing Dane Jackson back to be a part of this mix again.
6: I'd be a little surprised if they didn't bring back Dane Jackson. And Sal, only because, you, I mean, you just mentioned Levi Wallace as well, but I think you brought this up earlier this week with the afternoon guys that they wanted to bring back Wallace, but it was everything right. surrounding the J.D. McKissick Deal falling yep. through that caused him to lose him. I and and we know how much that that stuck in the craw of Brandon Bean. He was v- he was very upset about talking yep. about McKissick. I'd imagine it was also because he lost out on Levi Wallace. And so I would be surprised if they let Dane Jackson go. He's been so good in spot roles. I still remember. I think it was his rookie year. Ultimately, winds up being the DeAndre Hopkins Hail Mary game. But he did so so good filling in relief covering Hopkins for most of that game. And really, since then, he's not going to you know, blow you away with his athletic ability, but he seems to almost be like that perfect cornerback for the system of he just gets the job done. Will there be moments where he gets burned? Sure, absolutely. that happens to the best of them. But he does do his job really well, and you always want to have depth at that position, especially when Kyrie Elam is such a question mark right now.
5: Yeah, and that's a really good point you bring up about depth. I think what happens a lot of times, Zach, is you know, fans look at the top end of the roster. Well, this guy's not playing, so don't worry. Don't bring him back. Well, he might have to play. Did you see all the injuries last year? Exactly. You know Bills, I mean? like Bills fans over the last
6: two years should absolutely know, like, no, no, we need depth. Like, the depth becomes very important.
5: Exactly right. And, and just because a guy's not a starter, just because he's not a regular player, doesn't mean he's not important to the team. At some point, he might have to play. Because if it's not him, it's going to be someone else. And would you rather have a guy who has been in the system, understands it, he started for you, or a guy that you just kind of have to bring in off the practice squad, a guy that's, you know, out there that doesn't have a job. There these these players are important to a roster. And I always say this. This is my annual reminder. I will say this many times between now and through the off season, okay? Folks, there's 90 players on the roster in the off season, not 53. There's 90 players. So when you see that the Bills sign some guy, that you never heard of, or hasn't panned out somewhere, or you know has been largely thought of a bust, and you know something like that. Or you see a guy they re-sign who really hasn't played much, and what has he done? It's okay. They have ninety players they're going to sign, so keep an open mind about some of these things. And I say on Dane Jackson, keep an open mind because whether it's Dane Jackson or if they don't re-sign Dane Jackson, you know who they're going to get, Zach, someone. Pretty much just like Dane Jackson, so why yeah, exactly. not exactly get your guy who's actually
6: started for you and knows your system? Exactly, we we talked about that with with uh, coaching staffs earlier this week. That like yes. you bring back the guys you know, the guys you know you can work with. That's the name of the game here because you know it's million dollar jobs. You want to make sure you can work with these people. You want to make sure guys that are playing your system know how to play your system. And so yeah, like you're right. If it's not Dane Jackson. It's going to be Dane Jackson Light. I mean, it, it is, or maybe That's it's exactly going to be another right. fifth, sixth round rookie. It, but ultimately, it's going to be someone very similar.
5: It's funny. It's funny you say fifth or sixth round rookie because even though I say they're not in the market like to probably draft one early, we're pretty sure they'll draft a DB somewhere. They always draft DBs because of the reasons we just said. You have to draft DBs every year. You have you never know what's going to happen. But you look down even the roster. You know, last year I talked a lot about how high I was on Jamarcus Ingram. I give Jamarcus Ingram a shot to make this team this year. Now, that's when I say it right now in February. By the way, happy Leap Day, everybody. It's February 29th. Only once every four years this day comes around. But as I stand here on Leap Day, February 29th, and say, I'm looking at the roster, I think Jamarcus Ingram has a shot. Maybe he'll get to training camp and there's too many bodies ahead of him. But I'm a a Jamarcus Ingram guy. I think that guys like that can help you a little bit. They re-signed him. They re-signed Kyron Brown, by the way, to future reserve deals. But those guys are coming back on the roster. And I I think you always have to give guys like that a shot. I wouldn't be surprised. And the Bills are going to have to find cheaper labor in some way, whether it's a six-round pick. Remember last year what happened? Do you remember what happened with Alex Austin last year? They drafted this kid, Alex Austin. He did not make the roster. Well, he wound up getting claimed – by I can't remember who, but then he won himself found himself on the Patriots and intercepted Josh Allen. They literally drafted a player, the Bills, this past draft at DB, who wound up starting and intercepting Josh Allen for another team.
6: That's right. I you said you remember having Alex Austin. I'm like I'm like he didn't make the team, but now now you said that. Right? That's right. That's right. Oh man. I mean, but yeah. So, you, so, yeah. so you always have to remember
5: that these guys you take late in the draft. Like, they're, they're, they might be good enough to make other rosters as well. So it's a, it's a balancing game on how you want to treat it. But don't discount some of these players at the end of the draft because, again, what happens is you have injuries and they can go wind up playing. Remember Rashad Wild Goose? Mm-hmm. Rashad Wild Goose never made the team. You know what happened? He got claimed by the New York Jets right after that. What a name. What a name. Oh, they, sh- they should have kept him just for that sale. Just for that. Just for the name. Oh. No, I don't disagree. I think he got claimed by the Jets. He played with the Jets. He get claimed by the Giants and go to the Jets either way. Um, You know, by the way, uh, when you hear my interview with Paul Dotino from the Giants, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll let everybody listen to it. I asked him specifically, would the Giants be interested in Gabe Davis? And the reason I did that is, A, obviously because they have Brian Dable and Joe Shane there. We all know Gabe Davis was able to do a Brian Dable's offense and put up some numbers, especially in the playoffs, but also because they have... You know some wide receiver questions in New York, so I asked him specifically, and his answer was very interesting. So I want everybody to kind of listen to that from Paul DeTino a little bit later. All right, Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones here from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. A little while ago, I caught up with CBS Sports. Charles Davis, who's actually standing up right now and uh, heading down to talk to somebody else because he's a busy man on Sirius XM. It's always great to catch up with Charles Davis. Does a lot of Bills games on CBS. Here's Charles Davis from earlier today. I think you're on other platform now. You're doing stuff with Sirius over here. I mean, what's this week been like for you? It's been great. It always is because for me,
7: I'm playing catch-up from the NFL season. You know, I think you're doing somewhat the same. We see things during the year. It's much more osmosis than it is actual diving in. But now the starter's pistol's fired. So I'm doing a lot of diving in, but this is really great because I've read about all these kids. Now I get to see them move, see them work, and then, you know, I'll, I'll be able to compare that to tape as I dive in more.
5: You and I talk every year draft season. I think every year I tell you the Bills need more pass catchers. <laughs> Seems like that's the reason again here that we're here to watch and see what these guys can do. But pass catchers, the Bills, yeah. they, they need to do this. And it lines up with this draft. It certainly does
7: because you can go many, many rounds and get pass catchers. This isn't where it's a top-heavy deal. If you don't get the top guys, you're, you're done. Monroe same round in Detroit was a fourth-round guy, right? Puka Nakua, the rookie of the year last year, fifth round. Now, he would have gone higher, but he was hurt all the time at BYU. Stayed remarkably healthy his first year in L.A. and really produced. So pass catchers, they're at a premium only because there may be certain guys you want and say, I've got to have that guy. I wouldn't worry about that too much. There's a lot of them out there, and we'll go rounds one through seven, and people will produce.
5: People always talk about the Bills' window closing with the roster changing over, but, hey, as long as they have 17, 17. I always say it doesn't <laughs> matter. Is that
7: the case? I agree. As long as they have him, because what you're also going to have is the free agent guys who will want to play with a quarterback like that, right? You, you have that building and the optimism, and it's just a whole different deal when you have that quarterback that people want to play for. If you don't have a season full of injuries, people are going to play hard, they're going to play well because they know that that quarterback can take them to the promised land. Awfully close again last year, even though they had a lot of bumps during the season, but they were that close in the playoffs. That tells you about this Buffalo franchise.
5: And then real quickly on the AFC East, you've watched the AFC a lot of football there, are a lot of changes, obviously New England, a big yeah. change there. Feels like this year with the Dolphins, it's more about challenges than expectations. It certainly is because now everybody's on the—they're on the radar again.
7: They're that team where you go, oh, yeah, the Dolphins, they're a legit item. Playoffs two years in a row. surprise the first year under Mike McDaniel. Not a surprise last year. And at one point they were trampling the league. Then people started to adjust, realize what they had to do. But even so, they still were a very good football team. They're going to add some pieces and come back at it. And and we're going to see how it goes. Because if you're in the AFC East now, it's still Buffalo's division as far as I'm concerned. Because they know how to play. They know how to handle a lot of those things. But Miami's right there. New England, we know that's a full rebuild. And the Jets, you talk about a mystery team. What happens if Rodgers plays the entire year? They remember, that team won seven last year, and it didn't feel like it.
5: Hey, man, I know you're pressed for time, so thank you so much for
7: this. Thank you for all your time. As always, it's always great. Good to see you.
5: Charles Davis, CBS Sports, he's really uh, grown in his role as well. He was on Fox Sports, CBS Sports, he's at Sirius XM NFL Radio. You know, it sees the league through a a different prism as well, and it's always good to get a, um, you know, a take or you know, a comment about you know where the Bills are from someone like that, as opposed to the people who are sometimes we don't see the forest through the trees, right? As fans, as media, you know, on the team that we cover, we're so close to. He does, and I love what he said there. As long as they have 17, they're still. Right there, and the window is not going to close. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Yeah, good stuff from Charles Davis right there. Talking about the AFC East. What are the Jets? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, it's, a, it's a team that did win seven games without Aaron Rodgers last year. So if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, I do think I, I'm going to leave open the You know, thought of them passing the Dolphins, and I'm not going to go as far as contending with the Bills. I think they have some issues on the O-line they have to figure out. And I just think organizationally, there's a lot of things coming out that they're going to have to basically kind of get over. But I do think that the Jets could be the second-best team in the AFC East right now.
6: I mean, you can't discount them because Rodgers is their quarterback. They, but they need so much help on that offensive line. I was hearing Nate and Jeremy talk about it this morning too. They, they kind of are also giving off this vibe of a team that like, they really thought if Rogers stayed healthy, they were going to win the Super Bowl. Yep. And they're just yep. carrying it on to this year. And I just, like, like Rodgers freaked me out going to the Jets, but they still had issues at the O-line. Their wide receiver room is not that good after Garrett Wilson. Their defense it has regressed a little bit since being a very, very dominant unit. That's typical. That's not out of the ordinary for that to happen. And I'm still unsure how I feel about Robert Saleh as a coach. It felt like at times mm-hmm. last year he wasn't really the coach anymore. He was just the mouthpiece that had to go speak to the media. And that ownership and, and Joe Douglas kind of were taking a more hands-on role there. I like what Douglas has done drafting wise. They've uh, usually their drafts are something I really really like. They usually take players I was a big fan of, but there's still t- there's so many question marks there for me. That just I, I mean, Rogers going to be forty coming off an Achilles injury, in which most of the year he was telling fans, "I don't know, guys. Like if we go on a playoff run, I'll be right back." And then the, like, the moment they're out of the playoffs, he's like, "Actually, I'm a few months away. Like I was never really going to play this year." So it's just it, everything feels so performative from the which is not surprising. It's New York. I get it. But everything is so performative from the Jets that it's just, I cannot get a good read on them. And I don't really think that's how they want it, but that's just how they're acting.
5: Did you see the story of the possible tampering from the Chiefs mm-hmm. with the Jets last year and the Jets looking into it? And in case you didn't see it, what happened was there was an interview that Mecole Hardman did, the wide receiver who was on the Chiefs, traded to the, went to the Jets and traded back to the Chiefs. And he did an interview, I think it was with Ryan Clark of the, the Pivot. And he said during the interview, it was just like, what went wrong with the Jets? And he's going through all these things, and he didn't like the special teams coach. He wanted to return punts, and they had an issue there. And then he said, the quote was that he, i well, paraphrasing the quote, I can't remember exactly. He reached out to Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes and Mahomes and said, come get me. <laughs> well, then they did trade for him. <laughs> they they, they and, went to go get him. Listen, they went and got him. He's under contract mm-hmm. with the New York Jets, and he's saying publicly on a on an interview that he talked with the Chiefs while he's under contract, and then the Chiefs traded for him. So the Jets are like, hey, wait a minute. Everybody's thinking, that's tampering. Like, the Didn't the Dolphins just get docked a first-round pick for tampering with Tom Brady? That happened a couple of years ago. Remember that? Oh, yeah. They had that big um, expose on the boat and the meeting, and they got docked a first-round pick. So... It's like, hey, wait, that's tampering. And sure enough, Joe Douglas was asked about it when he was at the podium, the Jets GM yesterday. And he basically said, let's just say that, you know, it's something that we're looking into. So I think this could become a deal at some point with them. On top of the fact, much less that Nicole Hardman is now being kind of sort of accused of leaking offensive game plans to the opponent, specifically the Philadelphia Eagles when they played, which is a whole separate issue. I I also like
6: that the the game plans he was potentially leaking. I think Eagles and I think the Chiefs game was also one of those. Those were maybe like the the Jets two best games this year against Kansas City Zach Wilson <laughs> actually looked like an NFL quarterback and they beat the Eagles so he didn't do a great yeah. job at, at leaking plans right but i I'm fascinated by the tampering thing because Sal you know when I when I read the story my my first thought went to I wonder how many teams are texting Justin Jefferson you know like last week right when there's like potential of like he may actually get traded maybe they don't keep him because like I, I guess there's reports that He wants to know what their quarterback situation's like. He wants to know where they're going. And I'm like, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson's not himself texting, you know, certain players. But you know somebody is texting him going, would you play here? Are you thinking about it? Would you you do it? If we trade it for Mm -hmm. you, would you do it? I can can just text the GM right now, like something along those lines. And I'm like, you know that stuff happens. But it's because Hardman decided to go on a national radio show and go, oh yeah, it was totally happening, that everyone built it up.
5: He kinda he said the he said the quiet part out loud. Absolutely. Absolutely. He said and and that's a no no. Now I will say I think there is a difference between you know during the season Reaching out to another team and their head coach and star quarterback and admitting that you had communication with them about joining their team, other than the one you're on, versus here at the combine, we're in the off season. There's some contractual issues going on, but I would also say, yeah, Justin Jefferson is a different deal. Like, hey, unless the Vikings give you permission, don't talk to the guy you got guys that are going to be pending free agents that stuff's happening now every mm-hmm. team knows you have to lay the groundwork you start to talk to agents you know you're not necessarily allowed to specifically negotiate but those kinds of talks are happening by the way it's a good time to kind of reset and tell everybody what the dates are for all of that so we leave here from the NFL combine now and then the next thing on the calendar is the new league year that starts on March 13th it's a little bit earlier this year it's usually the 15th 16th around there and it's the 13th because of the way the calendar falls this year so that's when the new league year starts so by March 13th Every team in the league can now be up to 90 players. Only your top 51 salaries count in the salary cap. That's, pr- that's important to remember during the offseason. You have 90 players, but only 51 count against the salary cap. But also what happens is starting March 13th, if you have an expiring contract, you are a free agent. March 13th comes around, bam, 4 p.m. on March 13th, you can now sign with another team. But what you also can do is starting on March 11th, your agent can actually negotiate deals with the other clubs you can't talk player to club but you could talk agent to club starting on march 11th so there's a two-day window in there march 11th that's when teams are going to start to be able to talk to agents of pending free agents and then march 13th they're allowed to sign them so that's what's on the uh, schedule next as far as the NFL calendar. In the meantime, it's the NFL Scouting Combine here on a Northtown Automotive Extra Point show. Sal Capaccio here in Indianapolis on the Indiana Convention Center floor. It's the NFL Scouting Combine 2024. Zach Jones and our Amherst Studios will take a timeout. We'll come back here. We're still going to hear from... Arthur Motes, former Bills and Steelers linebacker, doing media in Pittsburgh. And Paul Detino, who covers the Giants for the Giants Radio Network and WFAN. Keep it right here on WGR. All right. Back here at the NFL Scouting Combine coverage of the Combine on WGR all week long. I mean, we're going to be here. I'm actually, I'm leaving today, going back to Buffalo, but we're still going to be talking about the Combine. You know, Now it's like I said, I'm here to kind of do both the head coach, GM, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, then bridge the gap here to some of the prospects, but they're going to start testing later in the week, and we're going to keep talking about that. And when we do, it is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life, Awaken180weightloss.com, and by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your Outlet, tight ends talking now as well. Not an area we need to look at this year, Zach. Tight ends. No, no. I Dalton Kincaid had moments last year where
6: he really, really impressed me. He was not Sam Laporta, where he's breaking records or anything like that. But I am really comfortable in that spot, Sal. Like I, I and I know it probably doesn't work in terms of. Moving off of Dawson Knox or anything like that, and, and they probably shouldn't. That's me getting a little greedy here, but I really like what they have in Kincaid. You know, going forward,
5: I really, really do. All right, so as I'm walking here, I see my guy Chris Emma from Chicago. He's going to join me here, and the scorer in Chicago, he's covering uh, the Bears out here. We've had Chris on many times before, but it's a little different now. Now you're at the Combine, a team with the number one overall pick. First of all, thanks for taking the time here to join me on such short notice, but uh, what are you learning about you know, the Bears and their plans here while you're here this week?
8: Yeah, I mean, it's getting clear that they're going to be looking to draft Caleb Williams. I, I think it's been moving that way for a while. This week is about infragumation gathering. That's what Ryan Poles has said all along. They like Justin Fields, but I think they see the avenue in play here. It's Caleb Williams. They believe in him as the future of this franchise. Uh, They've checked all the boxes so far this week. They're meeting with him today to really get a true sense of what this kid's made of and what he can be as a franchise quarterback. But this is going to be the route they're going at that point. Then you start looking, what's that Justin Fields trade market going to be like? How do you proceed from there? you got picks one and 9 got a great opportunity, and
5: I think they're ready to go. And then when you look at, the Justin Fields moving on from him to Caleb is it more about that Justin Fields isn't the guy, or the fact you you reset the contractual situation on a rookie quarterback?
8: I think it's more so that they just see Caleb as a generational type prospect. You're in this position number one overall in a rare spot where the Panthers gave you a gift. They went 2-15, they did the job for you. Uh, it's a great chance, right, that you're in this position now where you've got a guy who's one of those one out of every five-year type quarterbacks who you see as, you know, can't-miss t- type of prospect, and they like Justin. They really do believe he can be a great quarterback in this league, but they see Caleb as everything else. I mean, they see him as that guy who's going to get them over the top, and they've spent the last two years rebuilding, putting this franchise in position with
5: some good young players all around. They need that quarterback. Now he got a chance to do it. All right, so the odds for Justin Fields' next team are heavily with the Atlanta Falcons right now. I can't see the number eight pick in play. How do you make that work? Uh, I think it's going to be. I think the Thugs are certainly a player. I look for
8: the Steelers as well. I think that's a team that can make that move. Uh, I've said the market's probably going to be about a two and a four in return. Now, the thing that works against the Bears is it's a great quarterback class. These teams have options, and it's kind of a buyer's market if you're looking to get that quarterback. So maybe they fall short of the two and four. Maybe it's just a two. Maybe it's a three. But uh, I think at some point, I, I'd say probably next week, you get a deal done
5: with Justin Fields and you move on. And then. The Bears the Bears have another pick as well. So what do you do to help out Justin Fields or go the other way and the other side of the ball maybe?
8: I look at either wide receiver or edge rusher, and it's deep in the top 10. you got some great players available there, obviously two premium positions, and they want to get that compliment to either DJ Moore on offense or Montez Sweat on defense. you got a great chance. Uh, you got some really good players there. I think they can also look to trade down in that spot too at pick nine because they only have six picks in this draft. Granted, it's one and nine leading the way, but you dealt your two for Montez Sweat. I think there's a chance if they do go on to draft Caleb Williams that you trade down from nine, but... If that best player available is there, if it's a guy like Malik Neighbors who falls to you, uh, if it's Jared Verse, whoever it is, you're going to get a really good ball player and somebody to really transform
5: the rest of your roster after you make that quarterback pick. Matt Eberflus, how much pressure is on him to make the playoffs or what does he have to do this year when there was some question even of him returning coming back to 2024
8: yeah i mean it's he's got to produce proof they, they got to be there in contention they got to be that team they expect to be in the playoffs this year and even with a young quarterback like you can't have that excuse now because you draft a guy like a williams oh it's a developmental year like he's got to be that good where he helps get you over the top now and you got a really good roster around so It's on Matt Eberflus, and it's on his coaching staff to obviously put this next quarterback in position to be successful. But I think they feel like they're ready to go. I think they feel really good about this roster. They have faith in Matt Eberflus. I think a lot of people in Chicago are like, let's wait and see. Let's see what kind of proof he can produce here. But they brought him back. They believe he can be that guy for them,
5: and I guess we'll see. It's always tough to do, though, if you get a rookie quarterback, the, you know, if you're going to start him a lot, that's also maybe the coach saying, hey, I know you need to win, but it might take a little while to bring in a rookie quarterback. That's a tough spot to be in. Yes, I, a lot of teams will put, you know, you'll get that veteran stopgap,
8: anoint him as the starter right away, give the rookie the chance, and you inform form that transition. I don't think the Bears will do that. Like, if you're drafting Caleb Williams, he's that good. You believe he's your week one starter. And now Matty Rufus's philosophy is he wants to put rookies out there right away, so They'll sign a veteran stopgap, but I don't think they're going to have any kind of phony baloney quarterback controversy. Like, if they're drafting Caelan Williams, he's going to be the guy week one ready to go. They're going to expect him to produce wins and to help this team get over the top.
5: How about Tremaine Edmonds? Tell me about the year he had in Chicago and if um, that was worth it to sign him to the contract that the Bears did.
8: Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting spot, right? You let go of Roquan Smith. You deal him for two to Baltimore. You didn't want to pay him $100 million. Baltimore, great organization, goes out and does it. So there's a lot of Tremaine Edmonds, right? You're kind of filling that void as that inside linebacker who's really got to be that figure of the defense. Uh, Great leader. Everybody loves him. He's that guy who really is kind of a glue guy in that locker room. Players really lean on him. I think he left a little bit more to be desired in terms of uh, his performance, but he played at a high level. He dealt with the injury at some point this year where, you know, that knee, I think they were worried it was going to be more of a long-term thing, and he avoided that. You know, he was never really
5: hurt in Buffalo. He's always available, which was a little surprising and unfortunate for him to – have that injury in Chicago's first year on that contract
8: yeah a fluke thing uh, he he felt good just coming back after that they like him a lot I think they want to see just a little bit more out of him you you paid 19 and a half million for TJ Edwards on the other side and he became that wilt linebacker that playmaker and he outshined Tremaine last year who got more money than him so I think it's a little bit more on train. You you got to rise up a little bit and help this defense ascend as that t- top 10 kind of unit but Great leader.
5: Everybody really feels good about him there. All right, tell me about a free agent to be Darnell Mooney, who some Bills fans are interested in maybe bringing into the Bills organization.
8: I would absolutely take a bet
5: on that. He's a guy,
8: change of scenery is going to go a long way. But put last year about out of the way, like he's a guy who's got – thousand yard season in his career. Uh, He's a really interesting guy, right? Fifth round pick. uh...
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your grocery.
3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
8: Stepped in as a rookie and made a big impact. He, just, he had a weird year last year. It was just one of those years that kind of got away from him. He's not an openly frustrated guy, but you could sense he was just kind of ready for this thing to get into free agency make that move. I'm surprised they didn't get a contract extension done before the season with him. I think they want to see him come back from that injury that he had going into last year. It just never really clicked for him last year. I think get him a change of scenery, get him a great offense and a great team around him, I think he's going to get back to that 1,000-yard kind of season.
5: Chris, thanks as always. Always appreciate talking to you, man. Take care, buddy. You got it. Chris, I'm right there from our Odyssey Sister Station in Chicago. Really good stuff. You know, I asked him about Tremaine Edmonds. Kind of feels like a little bit like it was in Buffalo, right? yeah yeah, he does some really good things but there's a little bit to be desired right and that's pretty much what he said about him in Chicago in the first year of that big deal no one in Buffalo is regretting moving on from Tremaine Edmonds to Terrell Bernard I will tell you that as much as people were very afraid of Terrell Bernard's size in the middle of the defense that really worked out but it feels like it's the same thing with Tremaine Edmonds in Chicago and unfortunate for Tremaine Zach that he was really always healthy as I said in Buffalo and he did have that injury towards the end of the year last year for the Bears. Yeah absolutely and
6: and, and I guess that's the thing with Edmonds like you're all Always for him, he almost he he sets his expectations so high because of, of the body you're getting. I mean when the Bills straight up to go get him, you got a 6'5 guy, he's I think he was 19 when he was drafted, 20 when he was drafted, ran really fast. Like you were thinking you're gonna get this this big play dude immediately. That's not the linebacker he is. He always it does feel like he's just that that little bit too slow to get to a play, get to get to a ball, what have you. And so it it can be frustrating. I I think what I would imagine too for a city like Chicago, who's had some of the great linebackers. I mean, recently Brian Urlacher, where you do see Edmonds have what seems like a similar build, and just not be that linebacker at all. I I, I can imagine that'd be frustrating for them as well.
5: Earlier today, I caught up with Bills former Bills linebacker Arthur Motes, former Bills, Steelers, Cardinals, now in Pittsburgh. He's great with the Pittsburgh media. I love it. He's always one of the media-friendly guys in Buffalo. Arthur and I actually did a TV show years ago together in Buffalo. We talked a little bit about that and his transition to the media and the Steelers as well. Former Buffalo Bills linebacker, Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, Arizona Cardinals, I think, right? Arthur Motes. Anybody
0: else I'm forgetting? Man, no, no. But uh, former uh, Sal Capaccio (laughs) co host, you know what I mean? Uh, Got my ropes learned from you. And uh, yeah, it's always great to see you, man. You too. Yeah, let's go back
5: to that. You and I, we did this together for the first time. I think when I really started in TV, I do a lot of radio mostly. And we did a show called Out of Bounds. You were my first co-host, yeah. and we kind of launched that thing together. It was pretty cool.
0: No, it definitely was, man. It ended up being, what, a two-year run that me and you specifically had. And I just think of, I mean, it's times I look back at some of the pictures of some of the guests that we'd have because we'd always be on location. And it was just very, you know, reminiscent and almost real fun from the nostalgia standpoint. But then to come here, and I was like, man, since then to now, you're still killing it, man. I'm over here doing my media thing, and now it's just like almost like that cool just – Man, being around the guys that paved the way for you, you know, you're one of those guys who opened the door for me. So it's like, real, real, I'm real appreciative of it now. No, I appreciate that
5: so much. And by the way, we are appreciative of our buddy
0: Brian job who got yeah, us. Absolutely, man. Shout, shout out to shout out Brian. Brian, man. Definitely, yeah. man. He was the guy behind the scenes. You know, it doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah. But absolutely, man, that opened up a door. And when you just think about, you know, for a guy like me transitioning from the NFL, a lot of dudes struggle with that. Yeah. But because of, you know, our opportunity early on, I kind of was able to understand probably my third year that I wanted to do media when I was done playing. Wow. So, you were always a guy that was gracious with the media and you understood
5: our role, but what's that been like on the other side? When you have to, yeah. people always say to me, well, you're on the flagship station, you can't criticize the players. That's not true, no, but you and I, we're neither. just, it's maybe not my DNA to just yeah. go, you no, know, you know,
0: scorched earth on guys, but you have relationships, right. you have to be on the other side. What's that been like for you? Yeah, so that has been a, a very unique uh, dynamic, right? Because for me, not only have I, you know, had the experience of playing a long time in the NFL, and even with that, when you're criticizing players, they're sensitive about it, and rightfully so. And I remember how I felt at one time when an older guy had criticized me, and it was like it wasn't even anything wrong, but it was just the simple fact that a player was saying it in the way he said it. So for me, when I do it now, it's just I'm real cognizant of how I criticize it because I can't do my job if I'm not true and authentic if I'm not giving you exactly what I'm seeing and how my brain would work in the scenario. But I also just try to understand the difference of attacking the player versus the player's performance and separating those two and then at the same time understanding that this guy wasn't intentionally trying to mess up. So I'm not going to intentionally crucify him either. I'm going to say certain things where it's going to talk about what went wrong because I always think it's easy to just say a player did bad or it's easy to just play oh he sucks. But it's like well why? And that's the part for me where I try to say, well, this is where I come in. This is where I can give you my experience, my expertise, because I did do this for nine years. So this is where I'm able to communicate it and kind of soften it up on that player, even though we're still seeing exactly what needs to be said. And that doesn't matter, you know, if it's a player that I played with or even, you know, in Pittsburgh, I still have coaches that coached me there that I talk about at times, you know. So even with that dynamic, it's a unique space, but it's fun at the same time, because if you're being truthful and you're being fair about it, the guys are going to respect you. And I think that's the thing that I've been able to carve out, and this will be going on my sixth year now doing it, so – it's been crazy, but it's been a lot of fun, though.
5: All right, well, you cover the Steelers, and you're in radio. talk everybody where they can find you, first of all, and you're on the air, right?
0: Yeah, man, so in terms of you want to find me, man, uh, Steelers Nation, uh, so i on Steelers Nation radio. Uh, Steelers.com is where all of the uh, media stuff is available to you, um, and in, in wherever you get your podcast, that Steelers Blitz is what they call the show as well. Um, but I also have a podcast as well, man, and that's just, you know, you type in on YouTube, type in Arthur most you can't miss it. It's everywhere, the Arthur most Experience with Deke, um, Also, for the Bills fans out there, got a Bills YouTube channel as well, man, where I cover some of the stuff surrounding them. Absolutely, man. You know, I can't get, I can't kick the habit. So you're still Bills Mafia in your heart. You already know (laughs) that, man. I got a Buffalo daughter, man. Come on now. So 100%, man. So I definitely do all of that type of stuff. But yeah, the easiest way to find me, man, ArthurMotes.com or just type in on YouTube, arthermotes, and you'll see all of my content.
5: All right. So I got like two more minutes before you got to go back on live. Let me ask about the Steelers quarterback situation. A lot of buzz. Could they go outside what they currently have and try to make a play for Justin Fields? Ryan Tannehill now with. Yeah. Obviously, Arthur Smith in yeah. the building, but is it Pickett? What's going to happen there?
0: So Pickett is definitely going to get the first opportunity in the sense of that's the guy that they still haven't moved on from because he's a first-rounder from two years removed. But at the same time, Tannehill is very legitimate in play because of the Arthur Smith connection. Justin Fields, depending on how everything plays out with Chicago, and it is looking more and more like Caleb Williams is what they're going to do that could potentially also be in play. And then we're still trying to see what happens with the Russell Wilson scenario because if the money can be right, we're talking about getting a player that would be a definitive upgrade over Kenny Pickett in this time. But until – We know that information about Justin Fields and Russell Wilson, I don't think they're going to do anything, you know, that what I would call splash worthy per se. So that's why a lot of the people within the organization do feel like it's going to be Kenny, at least in some capacity, getting his first opportunity. And from there, man, you know, you just kind of have to believe that he can continue to develop. He's done certain things that are good, but the hard part for him is just consistently being on the field. Every time, you know, you're thinking he's going to show you a run, he gets hurt. And that was a part of what happened at the end of last season where Mason Rudolph comes in and then, you know, leads to the playoffs. We obviously still lose to the Bills in the wild card. But that's, you know, been a part of Kenny's dynamic. Have a good performance, get hurt, miss, you know, four games, and it's just hard to fully evaluate him. So that's kind of where we are right now. But I'm hoping that he does develop because you know how it is, man. When you come into this league, it's very challenging, very difficult. And for me, I just want to see everybody do well because it's a dream. Hey, thanks for doing this. No, nah, man, I appreciate you as always, man. Right, great seeing you. Let's go, man. Backwise. <laughs> I love it. Arthur is, he's so
5: great, man. Great to catch up with Arthur Motes, former Bills linebacker. You know his claim to fame, right, Zach? He was the guy that, uh, I mean, I say it like that. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation. He, he broke Brett Favre's starting streak because he sacked him, and Favre got hurt on the play when mm-hmm. he was a player for the Vikings, and, and that was, you know, what Arthur kind of like, you know, he, he was a, a name out there because of that on that play.
6: Yeah, and it's one of those things, like maybe not necessarily anything he did. It was just, it was Brett Favre's Iron Man streak, which yeah, yeah, right. was, Iron was Man an streak. unbelievable right. run <laughs> for no reason. Just
5: Great to like, chat with Arthur Motes. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a timeout here on the uh, extra point uh-huh. show, the North automotive, automotive Extra Point show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones will be back here at the NFL Scouting Combine from Indianapolis.
6: Welcome back to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show here. Zach Jones hanging out in our Amherst studio. Zach Show over at Luke Soil Stadium in Indianapolis covering the NFL Combine. And today we do have safeties beginning to speak to the media. And a number of players have already said they have had formal meetings with the Bills, including Miami's Cameron Kinchins. I always, whenever I see his name, I want to say Kitchens. I feel terrible, but it's Kinchins. Uh, Javon Buller, I believe, as well. USC's Kalen Bullock. So a number of safeties are meeting with the Bills. This also goes along with defensive Lyman saying yesterday they also had formal meetings with the Bills, including Texas's Byron Murphy. I did not see, though, if Tavondre Sweat said he met with the Bills. I, I really hope he did. He's not somebody I necessarily want to take in round one. He's more of a big body, you know, run stopper. He's just going to you know, cover up space. But potentially at 60, I would love him for the Bills. I do want to bring up real quick, though, here. We, we, we only got a few minutes here, but I want to bring up... What Chris Emma was talking about with Sal there just a few minutes ago, with the Chicago Bears and Darnell Mooney, I think he would be an absolutely fantastic addition to the Bills roster. You saw in 2021, had over 1,000 yards, four touchdowns, didn't really do too much in 2022 or 23. And that, and that is frustrating, to say the least, if, if you're Mooney. But he is somebody I think would add immediate speed for the Bills. And I don't know if... He gets back to that 1,000-yard pace that uh, Emma was talking about, but if he could just be a really, really good complimentary piece to a first-round pick the Bills or first- or second-round pick the Bills get this year and Stephon Diggs, I think he would add so, so much to this offense because he would add a speed element they really have been missing really since John Brown left. Don't have to get him a too expensive deal because he's had somewhat of two disappointing seasons in a row. In 2022, he had 40 catches, just under 500 yards, and two touchdowns. And then last year, played 14 games, 31 catches, 414 yards, and just a single touchdown. But he can add that... Big playability. you can send him down the field, somewhat take up the Gabe Davis role, obviously in a different mold. Davis is much more a big body, could streak down the field, where Mooney is going to be more of a speedster, not nearly as big, only standing around 5'11", just under 6 foot. But I think he'd be a great addition for this Bills offense that really has been screaming out for speed and and really has not had it since John Brown retired slash left the team. Going to take a quick time out here. And again, you are listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. It's brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com.
5: You're listening to WGR. We'll be right back. Yes, it is the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Find whatever you're looking for at Northtown. Shop online at nortownauto.com Sal Cabaccio, Zach Jones and our Amherst studio. Live here from the convention center floor in Indianapolis. It is the Indiana Convention Center. So just to kind of lay this out, everybody, how how it fits, I think there's a misconception that everything is at Lucas Oil Stadium when it comes to the combine. So you hear me a lot of times say, live from the convention center, that's because that's where we are for all the media and the prospects and the talking and all those things. The testing happens at Lucas Oil Stadium, the 40-yard dash and those things that you see and catching balls and throwing balls. That's all at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is actually not necessarily... Atta- I think there there might be an actual attachment to it, like a walkway. I'm not positive on that. I don't want to misspeak. But, Zach, it's, very, it's like right across the street. Literally within less than a football field, you can walk from... The edge of the convention center to the edge of Lucas Oil Stadium. I think there's a corridor that might attach to it, actually. I would
6: be surprised if there wasn't because they've had the combine there for seemingly my entire life. And like every time I watch it on TV, you can always kind of see that big hallway where like the coaches and GMs are walking. So I'd imagine there would be, but. Yeah, I mean, I saw your video with the convention center, too. It looks exactly how I picture yep. it in my head. It looks exactly how I would <laughs> picture it. Just
5: everyone's got a little booth and it's a everywhere. it's convention center. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, and, like, this is just one big room. Like, I just walked out a little while ago. I had a couple of things to do and people to talk to. And I walk out into the main corridor, and there's, like, three, four main corridors, actually. And there's rooms and there's conventions going on for different kinds of things, not just the NFL Combine. And you see tons of different ballrooms. This is just one ballroom in this convention center. It's a huge convention center. Indiana is a big convention city, and there's a good reason for that, and that's because it's centrally located, right? It's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to get to from a lot of the major cities, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Buffalo, New York, whatever. Even if you're coming from L.A., okay, yes, but from L.A. it's better to go here than New York, right? Yep. It's a centrally located you know, venue, and that's why I never – Liked the idea that's been floated around the last couple years that they'll move the Combine to L.A. or move it around the country. No. Keep it here. This is a great location. They do it right. It's a great city. It's a good nighttime city. There's plenty of restaurants. There's lots of hotel rooms. And we're all kind of used to it. And I know you shouldn't just do something because that's the way you've always done it. But in this case, don't move the Combine NFL. And I know that they've re-signed, I think, through 25 or 26. Like It's staying here for a little while. Eventually, they may say, "No, we need glitz and glamour of L.A. and make this more, even more of a TV show." I think that would be a mistake, based on all the really great stuff you can do here, based on how many people can get here easily and do their jobs.
6: I, I would agree. I would agree. It's it, and it's also it's just it's become a staple. Everyone knows where they're going when they get there. They've been doing it for I think uh, over two decades now as well. And yeah, like it, it you you said it perfectly too. It's in the middle. It's easily accessible for everyone. Like you said, even if you're coming out from L.A., it's closer than New York. I will tell you though, Sal. I think the other reason why they shouldn't do it—you've already made the draft into a huge TV show where it goes to different cities. I was somebody I didn't like that they that they moved the draft out of Radio City Music Hall in New York City. I loved that; that was my childhood. But now that you've done that, you've moved Mm -hmm. it to different cities. You've really made that like a whole week. It's up there with the Super Bowl in terms of just media just descending on one city. Don't do that with the combine too. It's it. it, We got two months now (laughs) to the draft. Hold your horses. Let's keep it in Indianapolis. Then we'll do the glitz and glamour with the actual draft. I, I don't. I don't
5: think it's needed to do it for both. Hey, speaking of that, fill me in here because I've been here in Indy and concentrating on football stuff. Mm-hmm. What do have we ever figured out what the tentpole event was, as Wade would describe that the Sabres Arena and Buffalo could host or hold or something like that in the NHL? Like, wasn't there talk of that a few days ago when mm-hmm. all the news came out about the renovations? Yeah, I, and I get, there's nothing that's
6: come out. I think the the leading, I guess, theory is that it's going to be the theory? four nations uh, face-off tournament in 2025. That that's mm-hmm. what the event's going to be because there's no all-star game really? next year or anything okay. like that. So that would have to be what it is. I think that's really cool. I'm all for that.
5: Yeah, that would be very cool, actually. And like they're starting that net. Wait, so it's 25. So be, it would be next year. Like they'd right away do do something like that. You think like that would be. Um, something right away that they would do because would they not want to wait until the renovations are complete or are the reserva- renovations? I think be complete the
6: renovations will then? be complete because I think that was what their the tweet okay. was was that they wanted it done for the twenty twenty four twenty five season.
5: Okay, I wonder oh, how wow. fast that okay. would that would because take of though. Because the new
6: roof we're talking about mostly. Yeah, that, that, well, that was is, is it thinking, the new yeah. roof and the scoreboard right? Yes. yes. What do you think about the new scoreboard? Oh, thank goodness! <laughs> thank goodness! I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> Bringing a bigger new scoreboard. I mean, I'm I'm ready just for renovations. You like it, In like the Game way, Game way it Center? looks, and yeah, I'm I, all for it. Yeah,
5: yeah. Does Toronto have the same similar scoreboard with that, like the the stuff underneath? Somebody gave showed me. I thought I saw a tweet or a picture of Toronto's scoreboard looking kind of similar or something like that. I don't know if it was just a markup or if it actually is. With you know the the you have the big scoreboard and the. Four sides, and then mm-hmm. underneath it, you have extra televisions, if you want to call it that.
6: Yes, yes. And yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I think for me, too, is you want it to be able to see it from every angle when you're in the arena. And so I, I think that would right. work. I think that would really work.
5: The biggest scoreboard I've seen in NHL Arena is Tampa. Ooh. It was a year ago. The Sabres, ironically, Sabres are in Tampa tonight. Uh, but I was in Tampa last year during winter break. We went down there and we went to the game, Sabres Lightning. And my God, Zach, that scoreboard is like it's like Dallas's scoreboard in football. Mm-hmm. It just extends over the whole ice, essentially. Oh,
6: I it, now uh, that's the thing though too. It, like, have we gone too far? Like, that's when you have to ask right. the question of like have have we have we have we flown too close to the sun? Pull it back. Let's not do that. I, I will say one team who has done that. It's a college team, a uh, Texas Longhorns, who I'm a fan of. Darrell K Royal Stadium used to have a scoreboard that I think it was the south end of the stadium. It took up a, a good quarter of the stadium. Pushed back against the fans, they ended up downsizing. It was it was huge. I think they called it, it was something like Godzilla, but it was that was where they're like, okay, let's let's pull back. We actually want to have more seats here, not less, because of this massive scoreboard in the south end of the
5: stadium. No doubt. Uh Just going to check on what's going on. I got Josh Reed walking over here. I'm live right now. You want to go on for a minute here? You got a second? Josh Reed, there we go. Channel 4 uh, CBS Sports Director in Buffalo WIVB-TV. Uh, you love this time to kind of get some of the backstories. Now you guys do the, the top 30 prospect files on Channel 4. People can find that. It's always good stuff. What do you been finding out about guys you're interested in uh, that maybe might have surprised you or is pretty cool?
2: Well, one of the things today that we've kind of learned is the, you know, the safety spoke today. And we know that the Bills, obviously, have kind of put that need off for a little bit now. Um, Talked to four different safeties, four of the higher-end safeties in this draft class, and um, asked them all if they had met with the Bills. And all four of them to a man said yes, and they met formally with the Bills. As you know... You can meet with a team informally or formally. I believe it's 45 formal meetings that teams get here at the NFL Combine. I always
5: so wondered if formal meetings, but you have to wear a tuxedo. I don't well, think of so. Of course,
2: absolutely. Now you, now you can wear a tuxedo T-shirt and get away with it. But yes, no, they, so the, yeah, they've spent at least a minimum of four formal meetings on some safeties, and I'm sure it's more than that, but. Yeah, that's a position of of need for the Bills heading into the draft. So It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out.
5: No doubt. So one thing that kind of has grown for me from here, and I get the sense, listening to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they feel better about their cap situation internally than what we've made it out to be externally about the team. Well, and I think that lends itself to the
2: idea of the argument that the cap number's not really real. Right. I I mean, I think some people believe that it's just a made-up number I think there's somewhere in between. Um, yeah, it is pretty interesting. I thought uh, Brandon's answer the other day when we talked to him about how he couldn't help but smile when he heard the final number and how much it jumped. Um, yeah, it definitely helped them out in the cap situation that they're in, but it still comes down to what we're doing here right now and this NFL draft. This upcoming draft, they have a ton of draft capital. They've got to get younger. The roster has got to get younger. They're running... They've got some veterans that are running on fumes. Might be a little harsh, but they've got some guys in the tread on the tires starting to wear off quickly. So they need to, and they need to get some influx of youth that can actually play and get on the field immediately. Um, and they, and
5: they have the draft capital to do it. And then finally, we come into this thinking wide receiver. They're going to be showing up here in the next couple of days. They're going to be testing how dialed in on your, are that group specifically. I love the wide receiver group. and so, I mean, that's no shock because everybody you ask about the wide receiver group
2: around here, they absolutely rave about it as being one of the best draft classes, you know, that we've seen in a while. And that's not just, you know, there's the big three that everybody talks about. But then after that, you've got guys, you know, the, the guy from the kid from Oregon is a guy that everybody talks about, Franklin, and you got Thomas down at LSU, two guys who a lot of the draft analysts believe will be sitting around there. Keon Coleman's another one; they'll be sitting around there at 28, roughly, you know, when the Bills come up on the on the clock. But then. you you hear some of the national guys and they say look the bills may be smart to wait until the second or third round because the depth of this draft class. Now, I know for sure that our friend Jeremy White hates to hear that. Well, what he would like is the first round, the second round, and the third round. I'm pretty sure the Bills aren't going to go that route. But um, there's plenty to like about this draft class, and we're going to hear from them tomorrow. I'm really interested to hear what they have to say. One of the things that has really stuck out to me about this year's combine, Okay, yesterday was the first day that we heard from the prospects, and it was the defensive linemen, right? So we had the defensive tackles and edge rushers. Today, we started out with the safeties. Yesterday, I don't know that I saw one gold chain or one kind of bling instrument around anybody's necks. To today, the safeties got up there, and they were all iced out. They had their numbers around their neck. They were. Uh, it, it's, it just shows you the personalities sometimes
5: of the guys up front. And the guys who are playing in the back end at safety now brands nil right. I mean, this is the the the, the personalities. It used to be putting all these guys in a box, and you don't want to see any of that. Now it's like we want you to show us our personality. We want to know what kind of person we're getting. We love that stuff. A hundred percent. I listen to. a tight
2: end group, obviously not a group that the Bills are probably interested in this draft, but I was standing around listening to one of the tight ends talking. To be honest with you, I didn't even look at his name. He was talking with a couple of reporters about the NBA and Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. And Of course, he's much younger. I don't know that he ever saw LeBron play, or Michael play. in. Definitely didn't see him in person, right? But he he was having a, a debate with one of the reporters about LeBron versus Michael, and it was just—it was good fun. And that's to your point, you want to see some personality in what these guys bring.
5: All right, so are you guys going to do the top 30, right? You're going to have that yep. coming up on WIVB starting next week? Yeah, we'll
2: do the 30 prospects in 30 days. It starts in two weeks from yep. now. We'll run down 30 players that we think would be a good fit for the Bills. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of wide receivers, safety, defensive linemen. I think everybody kind of agrees that those are the three spots that they really, really – a little more pressing needs for the Bills. But, yeah, that starts in two weeks, 30 prospects in 30 days, and it'll run every day at 6 o'clock.
5: Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate
2: it. Absolutely. Thanks for grabbing me. I love it. I love I'll it. get my coffee now. You
5: got it. This is Josh Reed, WIVB-TV, Channel 4 Sports Director. Of course, Buffalo Kickoff Live. I'm a part of that show uh, Sunday mornings and other times uh, on Channel 4 back in Buffalo. It's a great point Josh just brought up, and we were just discussing. You know, we have talked, and I've asked so many people, Zach, as I walk around, what's the difference in the combine? You know, how it's changed over the years. That part has changed, too, which is I remember early combines. It's like you want to see these guys get up there and be buttoned up and don't say anything. You know, don't say anything that's going to cause headlines. And, you know, people try to stir it up and do that. But you know what I love now? seeing these guys and their personalities. You want that. You Hey, what are you all about, man? Like, to t- NAL, brands, like, you're endorsing stuff mm-hmm, now in college. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's great. I think that is awesome. And I think the Bills are one of the teams that really do embrace that. And what the Bills mantra is they say, we want you to be yourself in our building. And we hear that from players. Sean McDermott and the Bills organization scored very well in that recent NFLPA survey. And one of the reasons why is I think players feel like they can be themselves in that building. And that starts here
6: oh absolutely and and i we we hit a period in in nfl like drafting and scouting where it just became like i want you to be as fake as humanly possible i want you to give like the most pr coached answers possible and I, I, Sal, I could not be happier as someone that watches college football pretty regularly to actually see all these guys as personalities from college right. stick into yep. the NFL. Where there used to be a period of like that three, four months where you're like, you're not even the same person I watched two months ago. Like, what happened? And, and you know what it is they they don't want to have the one wrong answer, and all of a sudden they're off this team's draft board. You know that was always the rumor. I don't know how true that is, but. Like i I would imagine like for years, like this was one of the most stressful periods for these guys because it's just you practice these answers for so long and you gotta make sure you answer it perfect. Now you are seeing guys like have some personality. I know uh yesterday and I, the only reason he's on my mind now is because he just weighed in at 366 pounds. It's Trevandre huh. Sweat from Texas, by the way, the yeah. second heaviest uh, interior lineman the weigh-ins are going on,
5: too, right? Yeah, And he, right. he
6: was talking, to people asked him about the 40-time, and he was joking around with the media, and he was like, yeah, like, wait till you guys see my 40-time. And he did, like, the wide-eyed look. He goes, like, there's going to be a lot of people that are surprised. And I'm like, good. Like, you know, we, we always think about, like, on the field and what those players are going to be. But you also want to know, like, what kind of, like, player they're going to be for your team what kind of personality you're going to have we all fall in love with that once they're already here but i i like seeing who these athletes are before they wind up with their teams before they become those superstars that are in commercials and all that stuff and nil as you were saying gives you an easier opportunity to do that
5: or an earlier opportunity to do that earlier today i caught up with paul dotino he does giants radio different platforms wfan in new york giants website really great conversation i want people to not only listen to what he had to say about the giants about the combine but i asked him even about the giants maybe plucking some bills free agents including if gabe davis is someone they would be interested in paul detino from the nfl combine Paul Dottino joins me here on the floor of the Indiana Convention Center. Giants broadcaster. Fill in play-by-play a couple years ago for a Bills-Jets game. We had a chance to work with each other and struck up a friendship ever since. How you doing, my man?
1: Very good, Sal. You know, this is uh, quite an exciting time for all of us. I remember years ago, we used to talk about the offseason being a big black hole on the NFL schedule. Now it seems like the NFL's an 11-month news cycle. It really does. It's amazing. How many combines is this for you? Uh, believe it or not, it's only seven. Okay. Uh, I didn't start coming out here to do this uh, until recently, but uh, you know,
5: going into my 42nd year covering the Giants, that's a long time. Well, you've seen a lot of ups and downs, and there was a lot of optimism last year on the heels of making the playoffs with Joe Shane and Brian Dable, who obviously we're very familiar with in Buffalo. But then maybe a bit of a step step back. What happened last year? What went wrong with the Giants?
1: Well, a, a few things. Primarily was injury, but you don't want to use that as an excuse. A lot of times, it's really a reason, though. And clearly, their offensive line just crumbled from from just every aspect that you could imagine. On top of that, they had a very vicious beginning of the schedule. That, unfortunately, coincided with the most important injuries that they had. And when you put those two things together, it starts becoming a perfect storm. And then when Daniel Jones went down after he came back and tried to play against the Raiders and then hurt his knee... That really spelled doom for them because I really think the Giants thought they might have had a second-half run that could have put them in the wild-card chase had Jones been able to be healthy for the second half of the
5: season. But once he went down, you knew the air was out of the balloon. I'm glad you brought up Daniel Jones because there's a lot of polarization on him, just like you would imagine with some of the other quarterbacks who've kind of had their ups and downs and the injuries. What is the status of him going forward? Is the team completely committed to Daniel Jones going forward? Joe Shane, the general manager, says that they are. Uh, he anticipates him being
1: ready for the start of training camp. Uh, at this point, uh, he's not doing any contact. He's he's standing and he's throwing, but he's not doing anything overly exerting off of, uh, off of his knee surgery. I will say this. The one thing uh, about Jones that I think is very, very important for people to understand, he's got an incredible work ethic. And I think anybody who's coming off of a serious injury always has a better chance to succeed if they've got that work ethic, that intensity, and that desire to compete. Guys who don't rehab well usually don't come back very well. And that's the the behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of people don't understand when they see like Adrian Peterson had that miraculous comeback when he ripped up his knee. It's all because of what he did during the rehab that made that happen. It's not just he took a magic pill. It doesn't work that way. And Daniel Jones is at the Giants facility nonstop
5: doing everything possible, and he's really ahead of schedule. I'm so glad you said that. We just heard the same kind of thing from um, Brandon Bean about Tredavious White and his mm-hmm. rehab. He's coming off the knee, then he's coming off the Achilles, and there's Bills fans who think, well, I'll just move on. And I'm thinking this guy, though, is going to do everything he can to get back. That's a great point about these types of people who are in there every day and working hard, they have a better chance to succeed and come back.
1: Well, sure, because when when we hear the medical folks say that typically this injury is going to be X number of months before the guy can make it back, well, that's maybe the average, or maybe that's the normal guy. Well, there's the guy who jakes it a bit, and it may take him longer, and maybe he doesn't come back right. And then there's the other set of guys You're just talking about White. I'm talking about Daniel Jones, who break their butts every single day with a passion and a fire to say, hey, that's not good enough for me. I'm coming back early and I'm going to come back as good as ever, if not better. And that's what we're talking about.
5: All right, let's go to the guy behind him. That's Saquon Barkley. I I actually thought last year the Giants would be willing to kind of move on, but they obviously worked it out. And that's because Joe Shane comes from the Brandon Bean tree, which is you don't spend super amount of resources into the running back position. But they did pay him, and now he's going to be a free agent again. What do you see about that situation?
1: Well, I think he's going to be back with the Giants. I still think on a scale of 1 to 10, it'll be an 8. I think the only way that Barkley isn't back with the Giants is if he's not living up to what he has professed to us, and that is he wants to be here. Well, you know what? If a guy really wants to be here that much and understands the tradition like he says he does, has his heart and soul here, uh, wants to be known as a Giants legend and a Giants great and somebody who helps this team win things, well, if that's all true, then the hometown discount kind of comes into play. And he's going to understand what running backs are getting and what it is that he can expect because Joe Shane, and he knows this from Brandon Bean, you be fair with a player and you don't over-lavish him. And I think that's what Joe's going to do. He's going to say, look, here's the deal. We want you. He's already said that publicly. Barkley says he wants to stay. I think they'll find a way to make it work. But I also believe that if Barkley doesn't, hold true to his strong desire to stay and decides the money's more important than his true feelings, well, you know what what that does, because money talks louder than anything else in this world. That, that's the only way that I see him potentially going somewhere else. I just don't think it's going to happen, because I think Barkley really wants to be a giant. He also, and, and you guys know this, you've seen him still doing a lot of marketing stuff, He's still a sponsor uh, uh, attraction. He still does a lot of endorsements and so forth with all due respect to other cities. You do it with the Giants. Even if you don't win a Super Bowl, you get a lot of that stuff. It doesn't necessarily
5: happen if you're in a lot of other NFL places. Well, it's a double-edged sword, though, because you're also in a market that the heat gets turned up very quickly. And obviously, Brian Dable going into his third season, Joe Shane as well. What is the reception from the fans? What is any sort of heat on Brian Dable going into 2024? The fans are in a show-me state right now, Sal, to be
1: honest with you, because... All the goodwill that was built up during the 2022 uh, playoff run. And they go to Minnesota and they win the wild card game, right? They go to the second round and then Philadelphia whacks them. Okay, we all knew Philadelphia was a much better team. So no one's holding that Philadelphia loss against the Giants folks at all. Everybody knows what that was. It was found money. I mean, it was just the thrill of getting there and then winning a game in Minnesota was enough to make everybody ecstatic. Well, what does that do? It raises expectations. Well, when you raise expectations and then don't meet them, now you have that big, loud thud. Well, that's what's happened with the fans right now. They don't want to hear the reasons why the Giants had to take a step back. All they see is that the Giants didn't do what they were hoping for last August. So they're getting really, really restless, and they're in a show-me state. Joe Shane and Brian Dable have tried to explain to everybody that Progress is not linear. There will be steps back as you try to climb the mountain. Whether or not the fans want to hear that is another story. Nobody has patience. You understand that, Sal. So I think it's important that the Giants are, are at least the middle of the pack team this year to try
5: to at least soothe some of what the fans are feeling right now because there's a lot of anxiety. It reminds me of the Buddy Nix quote who said, nobody wants to hear about the labor pains, just show me the baby. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And and quite frankly, I'm glad you and I don't have to deal with that. No, no, that's no doubt about it. All right, uh, before I let you go here, just your 30,000-foot view of what you see in the NFL right now, the NFC East, actually, with the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Commanders, you know, and, and where that all stands with them, some of the moves they have to make on how the Giants are going to compete there.
1: Well, I, I think the first thing's first. Let, let's start with Dallas, okay, because I think they're in the best position of the four teams in the division. Uh, I, I'm very anxious to see how they're going to manage their money. They've got some very high-paid players, and the cap will come into play, even though it expanded a lot more than people thought it would. They've got to deal with that. Prescott's going to have to get a redo. There's no question. What are they going to do with Tony Pollard, who was on a tag? That's a really big question. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned if I'm Dallas. I'm a little concerned about the rush defense coming back again this year, to be frank with you. Uh, I don't like their linebackers, quite honestly. I just don't. Um, Philadelphia? I think Philadelphia showed in the second half of the season – they were a confused football team. I think the change in coordinators last year was very critical and hurt them. They've already made other changes now going into this season, which who knows how that's going to work out. I think that's a team that's aging quickly. I think we saw a lot of injuries and a lot of uh, decrease in speed on that team, especially on defense. And so I'm not so sure that Philadelphia has that big window that everybody else thinks. Uh, they may very easily take a step back. J- Jalen Hurts was not the same quarterback the second half of last season that he had been the previous year and a half. He wasn't. So he's ta- I think they're taking a step back. Giants, we have unknowns. We're, 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 we just don't know exactly where the Giants are right now. They could be good. This could be a cusp season for them where they could take a step forward or they could take a step back. At Washington, who knows what Washington is? New ownership, cleaned out the whole coaching staff. they got to figure out what are they going to do with quarterback. Yeah. I don't think that how's the answer. I think he's okay. I think he's
5: okay. Made the number two pick. Probably You're, take May. Okay. Daniels are going to have a guy, but so that, who so, knows?
1: So what happens, Sal? Right. So what happens in today's game, right? You take a quarterback that high in the first round, the fans will riot if you don't force him on the field as a rookie which more often than not is poison. So whether or not Washington's good in another year or two, I don't know how good they're going to be the first year of the new regime. So what I'm telling you is I think this division can be very much in flux, and that's good if you're the Giants because maybe you can make some moves.
5: With, with Shane and Dable being in Buffalo, I, I made the prediction the Giants will sign a couple of Bills free agents. That's the way it works, right? They know guys. That's what I think will do happen. You want to send us? Well, that's what I want to ask you. like <laughs> A guy like Gabe Davis, would he fit in to New York? I would think they'd have an affinity for him and Brian Dable and what he was able to do in Dable's offense. You have him, AJ Epinesa, who was there in the second round, an edge rusher who is an ascending player, hasn't really produced at a super high level, but guys like that, would they fit in? Well, I
1: would say Gabe Davis, no. Because there are so many dynamic wide receivers in this draft and they are various sizes. You got the big guys and you got the little guys. You got the speed guys and you got the quicks guys. With that variety on the supermarket shelf, I don't think the Giants are going to go free agent at wide receiver. I think if they want a receiver, it's, and they certainly could use one, they're going to take one in the draft. Mm -hmm. I don't see that being a free agent signee. Epinesa is interesting. I liked him coming out of school. But he's been an underachiever in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I don't think they're going to spend free agent money on a defensive lineman. I think they're more likely to spend their one big free agent ticket on an offensive lineman,
5: preferably a guard. That's what the I Bills don't think. have. They, bills don't have any of those other than David Edwards, who's a backup guy. But I don't. So I think you're, we're good yeah, there. I don't
1: think you need to worry. Uh, okay. I think it's
5: okay. All right, that is. Paul Dotino. Interesting about Gabe Davis, right? I mean, no, you know, probably not some interest coming from the Giants and Gabe Davis. I thought maybe the Giants would, but not his take on it the way he sees that roster construction. we we'll be back after this time out on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio live from the convention center floor in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Zach Jones back in Amherst. All right, back here. From the Indiana Convention Center, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, NFL Scouting Combine. I say Matt Bove. Matt, Sal Capaccio and Zach Jones, but Matt Bove joins me right now. Matt and I, we've been um, hitting up the Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. We've talked to some really interesting people over the last few days to get a perspective about the league and different teams.
9: Yeah, I think for a second you snapped into podcast mode. today we You were, like about to do an intro to a new episode of the podcast. This is always a very fun week, and I have taken away that the wide receiver class is even better than we <laughs> thought it was going to be, and I am so happy about that.
5: Have you also taken away, and I just had Josh read on a little while ago, and we talked about this, have you oh. also taken away that the Bills – internal cap situation to them feels much different than maybe they're more optimistic and feel better about than what we've made it out to be externally.
9: So we did an interview with Brandon being a one-on-one on on Tuesday and I asked him on a scale of one to ten with one being absolutely no problem at all and ten being you have no money to spend where would you rank your salary cap? And he said he would think somewhere in the like five to like not ten not five, somewhere in the middle, but the way that he said that to me made me think that they have a little bit more flexibility than people are giving them credit for. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy. I don't think we see a Von Miller deal or a Mike Evans deal or something like that, but I do think that they have the ability to go out and get a safety and maybe go out and get a couple other players we weren't anticipating, and then that really does allow them to attack the draft and go get skill players.
5: Yeah, that's really interesting because Fans think, "Oh my God! They've pushed all this money. It's cap hell. They got to restructure this guy. They got to clean clean out this guy." I don't think I get that sense necessarily. When Brandon Bean said he was smiling. $255 million on the cap. Maybe that gets him to Daquan Jones. Maybe that gets him not to restructure someone they had to to push more money down the road.
9: I am at the point where I will be surprised if Daquan Jones is not back for the Bills. I am anticipating that of all of the guys, he would probably be the highest priority because of the position that he plays, because of how good he was before he got injured, and how good he also makes at Oliver. The Binghamton connection also helps too. This is home for him. So I really do think that he will be back After that, though, that's when it starts to get, like, I don't think A.J. Epinesa will be back. I really don't think Gabe Davis will be back. But Daquan is the one that I definitely see coming back.
5: All right, what do you guys got going to Channel 7 this week, next week, talking about the NFL Combine, and then, of course, promote the pod that you and I are on?
9: Yeah, so we do a podcast all the time. Right now it's a little bit busy at Channel 7, which is good. We have that little lull that happens between when the season ends and the start of the Combine. But just when you think it's going to calm down, you've got the Combine right now, You've got free agency in a couple weeks. Obviously, the Sabres are still trying to climb themselves out of the hole they're in. The UB women's basketball team clinches a trip to the MAC tournament in Cleveland. That's coming up. There's really no quiet time, and we've also got high school basketball playoffs and high school hockey. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we've got you covered at Channel 7. And, of course,
5: it's always game day in Buffalo. You can find Matt and me wherever you pod, and we're going to record again today. we got more people. we got Kirk Morrison scheduled for the podcast today, yesterday, Andrew Siciliano, we had Travis Wingfield. We've talked to some pretty interesting people and get some perspectives.
9: Yeah, definitely. Siciliano was really cool as somebody who just grows up watching NFL Network and seeing all of his his coverage and everything. So that was really cool. Try and bring you some different insight. Let you know a little bit about the teams that the Bills are going to be playing, but also what's going on around the league. And then Sal and I talk a little bit, too. All
5: right, we'll do that. Matt Bovee right there from Channel 7 WKBW-TV in Buffalo. Check it out. It's always game day in Buffalo, the podcast. Matt and I are going to be working that today. You'll be able to find that wherever you pod. In the meantime, Zach, one thing before I get out of here I wanted to touch on with you. And it's this notion. I wrote an article yesterday about Travis White and what Brandon Bean had to say about him. And there's a notion in question out there about, we'll just move him to safety. I just want to dispel this whole thing about you just don't move corners of safety all the time. I know some teams have done it. I know Charles Woodson did it in his career late in his career. I know other teams have been able to do it with players. And, yes, it can be a way to you know, prolong a player's career. It's got to be the right player. Tredavis White's not a safety, certainly not in the Buffalo Bills scheme. Christian Benford might be able to be. Why would you move him, though, Christian Benford? He was terrific last year at cornerback. Russell Douglas actually has played safety for the Green Bay Packers. He also was somebody who played really well. I, I just don't see that in the cards for Tredavious White, and I think that people take it t- too much for granted that you could just move a guy from corner to safety.
6: I agree, and I think a lot of that does come to— I, I think a lot of it is, is people don't want to see Trey go. So they want to see if there's any way they can move him or or prolong his career in Buffalo. And moving to safety is just kind of like the easy, it's answer A, just hit it and go. Where in reality... No, because you're right. Like you have to be a specific player, you have to be a specific build to be able to do that. Rasul Douglas is a bigger cornerback. It would make sense for him to be able to move to safety. You know, you'll have guys like Christian Menford, not the greatest athlete in the world, but a bigger guy. It makes sense that he could potentially, if he had to, move to safety and tackles. Tacklers. Trace that tacklers. Yeah. I mean, you got You got to. You got to play in the box sometimes in the Bills scheme. That was the thing too with Kyrie Elam of like, could you move him to safety? No, I, in Florida they really did not prioritize like. Tackling very well, so that was one of his issues coming out of Florida. It's not that easy one-two
5: transition. It's just not at all. All right, we're going to take a timeout here from the NFL Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. Al capaggio Zach Jones, back on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show.
10: Jaden Daniels should be the guy. If I were the Chicago Bears right now, I would take Jaden Daniels out of LSU. That is not a knock on Caleb Williams. That
6: is a plus in Jaden Daniels. I think, number one, when you watch all these guys play, the best thrower, the best guy against man coverage, ball placement-wise, is Jaden Daniels. Number two, when we're talking about explosive play, like guys who have to throw the ball
1: downfield, what does it look like? Jaden Daniels throws the ball best downfield.
6: That was Dan Orlovsky earlier this morning. I think that was on Get Up today. And I just – Josh, I, I just – I feel like we're having prospect fatigue here. I really, really do.
10: With these guys, I'm not.
6: I, if, I, know, I, I don't well, know why, I'm, – I'm
10: glad it's me and you talking because, like, you have been somewhat down on Caleb Williams. I just – I I think he's going to be good. I just don't think he's first overall good. Like, look at USC. Like, it wasn't like he was elevating them to this – Crazy uh, I am, good level. I'm
6: glad you're bringing that up because that's a key thing for me. That man was willing that team to wins that they did not deserve. Their defense was bottom 100. They should not have won the games they did. Now, was he bad at times under duress? Yes. The Notre Dame game specifically. He right. is not a perfect prospect. I've said it a few times on air. I think guys like Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, I even was telling you this morning, I thought at the time coming out of Clemson, I really liked Deshaun Watson. I kind of like them all more than I like Caleb Williams. I think a lot of the 2018 draft class as well. I was a big fan of most of that 2018 class, namely Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. But this just feels like we've heard about this guy now for realistically three years. Because when he was a freshman in Oklahoma, he popped off under Lincoln Riley. He was amazing. Wins the Heisman his sophomore year. And then junior year, it was just the. You know the hoopla of Caleb Williams' second year at USC. Are they going to make the playoffs? He's clearly a prodigy. The whole thing, and I think that's the big problem is is we're having this prospect fatigue of we've heard too much about him. I mean, it's it and it feels like it's every draft season of just we get to this point and everyone's actually terrible. You're actually wrong that you ever liked any of the any of these guys. They're all bad. And this is what happens, Josh, when. All we do is just stare at tape and film and pick and prod at every
10: single piece of their game or their character. You eventually come away hating the guy. Right, yeah, because you, you pick everything apart and you find all the negatives because you want to make sure that you're not going to pick someone that's bad. Exactly. And then you're like, wow, this actually this guy's really negative. Mm-hmm. When, when you're overlooking all the great positives. So that's where I'm at like with Caleb Williams because I'm like, you know, Caleb Williams is like uh it's hard, because I, I don't really like him at one. But I'm also looking at Jaden Daniels and saying, yeah, he looks great, but he's also surrounded by LSU. I was going to say, well, that's it's the Jaden Daniels so hard. Thing. He's,
6: he's much skinnier than you'd like at his size. He's 6'3", but he's under 200 pounds. I actually can't wait to see what he weighs in at, because I think mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really big thing, because he does take some punishing hits. But he throws one of the prettiest deep balls you're ever going to see. He's got incredible athleticism. He really did elevate that LSU team, which also had an atrocious defense, by the way. But the difference was, his number 1 wide receiver wasn't Brendan Rice, who we're all trying to build up as, oh, you know, he might be a sneaky good wide receiver, like in this draft class. His route running is atrocious. Where Jaden Daniels has two
10: guys at wide receiver who both are likely going in the first round. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have, it, it's Roman Dunze, and, not Roman Dunze.
6: No, no, he's, he's got um, Malik Neighbors and Malik then Brian Neighbors. Thomas yep. Jr.
10: Yeah, I knew Brian Thomas Jr. I, I always get a Dunze and Neighbors confused for some reason. I don't know why. They're so the 2-3. Yeah. You're always talking but, about them together. But I also look at somebody like Drake May, and he is kind of the scenario of, you look at how USC is, where it's like Caleb Williams and then... What else? With Drake May, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's almost the exact but,
6: same thing. His stats got better, or his production got better, once Tez Walker rejoined the fold for North Carolina. Right. He had to deal with issues of, of transferring over, and the NCAA said, no, that's not okay. And then, like, week six, they're like, actually, never mind, that's cool. And then he popped off. Tez Walker's also somebody who I would... Think is like a fascinating idea in like the third, maybe even fourth round. His name is somewhat dipped a little bit, mm-hmm. but it, you know he he threw thirty eight touchdown passes his first uh, year as a full starter for North Carolina as a redshirt freshman. This year he only threw twenty four, and I just I don't know. I'm, I'm hearing Merle Hodge out here talk about he's actually not that athletic. He's too erratic. I'm like he's too erratic. Cause his team's awful, right? And wh- yeah. what do you mean not that athletic? He's a smaller version of Josh Allen. He runs around a ton. He extends plays. He takes big hits. He's willing to dish out hits. Like I just, for me, it it just it constantly feels like we're getting prospect fatigue of we're just going to tear down these prospects until oh no one's actually that good. Like Merle Hodge is the perfect example. He has Caleb Williams like a second round or a second round pick, I think, and then Drake may the same thing. And I'm like enough. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that. This that's a ridiculous. little too far. <laughs> yeah, because then great. I would love to know who any quarterback you've ever had is like a first round pick. I want you to go through it. And even then, when he was talking about Williams, he was like, I've watched four games. So you picked the four worst ones? Because he's had other ones. And don't get me wrong. I think he runs around too much in the pocket. I don't think he settles his feet uh, enough for me. But those are issues that will work themselves out when you get to the pro game. I can't stand this whole idea that you actually can't improve once you get there. It's the same reason why when Allen was coming out, you heard all these old coaches and old scouts go, you actually can't teach accuracy. Really? Look at baseball for 80 years? Where they were like, yeah, like if you can throw the ball fast, I can teach you control. And then we actually had smart people show up and go, yeah, like just it's all in your hips and your foot placement.
10: What? I'm stunned. That's insane. I could have never thought of that. That's unbelievable that a coach actually coached. The one thing, though, that I get to with Caleb Williams is the mental aspect of things. Because, yes, you can teach a player to be better physically and be better with accuracy or throwing power or. Even with like wide receivers, like catching and running and things like that. But one thing with Caleb Williams, like we saw in that Notre Dame game especially, is can he handle the pressure? A bad offensive line. A bad offensive line. Can he handle
6: that's, the early years where, I mean, he's going to the Bears likely, right? That, right? That's the kind of foregone conclusion they're going to trade fields, he goes to the Bears. Their offensive line, they've been trying to figure that out for a few years, even with fields. Mm-hmm. And he's going. And Fields is very mobile too, so that's yeah.
8: where it's
10: like, yeah, Fields has kind of succeeded because he can get away from that pressure. Yeah. Now Williams, Williams is a better thrower coming out of the draft than Fields was, right? But Williams isn't as mobile, in my opinion. He's not as fast. That's, that that is absolutely yeah, correct. Right. F-
6: Fields is a burner. Williams is much more. He can get away. I I do compare him a little bit to Patrick Mahomes in that sense, where he's not going to blow you away with his forty time, but when he gets
10: open, he he can go and he can extend plays. But that's where I just wonder, like, yes, you can kind of teach that, and all. Obviously just, you know, make your team better and mm-hmm. figure things out that way. But I just wonder, you know, how much of that is going to carry over into the NFL of him being able to handle that pressure of mm-hmm. Greg Rousseau coming in off yeah. the edge or you know, Ad Oliver coming up the middle. Like it's it's a different game, but it's also the same game.
6: Yeah, exactly. It's it's different as as much as it gets different it ultimately stays the same. But like and that's and and to just finish up here to go back to the original point which is the audio we played from this morning of Dan Orleski saying he would take Jaden Daniels. Look, that's great that you can think that way. If the Bears did that after all the hype with Caleb Williams and the fact that he really didn't prove anybody wrong, he, he was very productive at USC this year. The team ultimately wasn't very good. I mean, they fired their uh defensive coordinator. That was like a known thing. I <laughs> That's a tough sell to fans, and that's half the battle here. It's a tough sell to fans. Williams has been productive every single year in college, and it's not like the Bears are an atrocious team. They should have DJ Moore. I think they should try to bring back Darnell Mooney and then draft somebody like Roman Dunze. And you could cook really, really fast with that team. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We do have a Sabres game tonight. They are finishing up their two-game road trip in Florida. They take on Tampa Bay tonight, 7 p.m. puck drop, 6 p.m. pregame. And coming up next for more on that, Sabres Live. You're listening to WGR.